Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to mitigate crises and help teams get back on track. This podcast is about helping the C-suite leader to navigate challenges with confidence. For today's leader, I'm here to help you get back on track. Tomorrow's leader, let me partner with you to learn the secrets of the C-suite. Wherever you're at in your career, this is the podcast for you. Hello, I am Deb Coviello, founder of The Drop-In CEO, and I am so grateful you've joined us for another episode of the podcast where I get to speak to amazing leaders every week and bring their insights and inspiration to you. And I know you're going to like this episode, but I do ask, please subscribe, rate, review, tell others, tell others, don't keep the secret to yourself. We want to continue to bring you great programming. And just know on a personal note, I am here to help the C-suite leaders of today and tomorrow navigate their challenges with confidence. Today, I am so excited to bring back my friend, my guest, Ben Baker, who is the author of two books, has been producing podcasts for over a decade and has been in communications for over 25 years. I'm excited for this conversation. Ben, welcome back onto the show. Oh, thanks for having me back on the show. So I started communication at age 10. That's what I'm going with. That's the story I'm saying. If I've been on for 25 years, I I must have started when I was 10 years old because I don't feel this old. Yeah, and I'm 32. So exactly. Let's go there. Exactly. We're, we're we're good with that. We're both in our 30s and life is good. Absolutely. I have got a lot more life to give and a lot more things to do. So we are going to start and kick it off on that note. And you and I've been friends a long time, but just how are you doing? How have you been feeling lately? You know, it's been good. It's the world is changing and it's always changing. And that's where the real fun is. What we deal with a lot of things is internal communications, driving change, transformational change, the more chaotic the world is, for me, the more fun it is. Because it it really puts me in a position where I can sit there and say, okay, grab me by the hand, let's walk through the chaos together. And letting people know that you're going to make a little bit of a mess, but we'll clean it up on the backside. And I find that the, the conversations that I'm having with people, whether it was through COVID Now with people using that R word and God knows why they're using it, but people are constantly realizing that the world is going to continue to flux. The world is going to be transformational and we're going to have change forever. And the more I can help companies drive through that change and set their teams up for success, the better it is. So life for me is good because it's it's never boring. You know what I like about what you say and everybody talking about like, when are things going to go back to normal? Well, normal is now a constant state of change and crisis. And I too am on that similar path when I think about, okay, we can settle down, we can breathe easy. It's like, no, we need to be very agile. We need to be thinking about what is the next risk? What is the next issue? How can we equip our people and our programs and our businesses So we're ahead of the curve versus looking behind us and saying, oh my, what happened? How did this happen to us? So I think people just need a completely different state of mind that change is a constant now. That is the normal. And how can we help our people to be able to be responsive to those changes? And leaders have the ability to help their people respond to those changes as well. Well, think about it, whether it's technology, whether it's the environment, whether it's politics, whether it's government whether it's the economy, there's always something going on. 
And it may be little change. It may be big change, but mm-hmm. there's always change. And we need to be able to sit there and say, okay, how do I become more creative? How do I become more adaptive? And how do I become more resilient? How do I enable my leaders to be that way? How do I enable my teams to be that way? How do I be that way to make sure that I can take care of my clients? Because I think every business needs to sit there and say, okay, who's the person who's in charge of not only looking at today, but looking five years in the future? And they're not always going to get it right. In fact, most of the time they're not, but at least they're looking. And at least they're sitting there going, wait a second here. Okay, AI is coming down the road. What does that really mean? Forget the hype. Forget all the promo. Forget everything that you read on the social media. What does chat GPT and what does AI really mean for my business? And it may mean nothing for the next five to 10 years, but at least you know what's going on. At least you're sitting there going, okay, I need to be aware of this technology. I need to be aware of how this could change my work. And I need to have people that are young and smart and innovative and on the cutting edge who can drive me through this. And they might be people inside the company. They might be people we hire, but we always need to have people that can sit there and say, okay, Talk to me about this, because the more we're looking and the more we're sitting there going, all right, that may make changes in my world. That may not, but at least I know. And when you know, and your people know, and your customers know, or at least you're getting towards understanding better, the more prepared you are that if there is change, you can adapt to it. So I want to just take it back a little bit. We're going to come back to change, but, and you and I know each other, but I don't think I really realize kind of your origination story about, you know, you've been in marketing and marketing, you often think about being external, but your life's work has transitioned to internal marketing and even around change. Just take me back a little bit and explain why, where did Ben start when it became to marketing? Well, let's take you before marketing. Let's take okay. you into the fact that I'm an ex-propeller head. In 1984, oh. <laughs> I created the first Mac lab at the University of Victoria. I was a sysop on the mainframe running ANAS 400 system and running listservs in the mid-1980s. So if when you take a look at that, that's where I come from. So I come from a technology bent you know, I was around with DOS 3.3. I remember the advent of Windows NT, and I got to a point where I was doing high-tech sales and traveling around North America. My job was to get on a plane and fix problems. Remember the movie with George Clooney up in the air? That yes. was me. My, I had no idea some mornings where I was going next. All I know is that I had a bag packed and I was ready to go. And I got to a point where this was going to kill my marriage. And mm. what it did is it got me to a point where I said, say, okay, it's time for a change. I had a buddy of mine who was an industrial psychologist run me through a battery of what do you want to be when you grew up, you know, exercises. And marketing is what was the natural fit because I've always been a storyteller. And the company I worked with said, listen, we need you up in the air. We need you to do this. Tell me what, help us hire somebody to replace you, fly them around, introduce them to everybody, and we'll pay you out for six months. And they did. I played a lot of golf and I met a guy in, in the variable direct mail business who was looking for somebody who understood technology. And I said, okay, that's me. I can learn the, the direct mail industry. And I realized it's figuring out how do a whole bunch of different pieces come together. And that's always where I've been. How do you take this nebulous idea of all these different things that, that are seemingly random and put them into some semblance of order? 
And that's really what direct mail is because it's the copywriting, it's the list, it's the envelopes, it's the printed pieces itself, it's the promotional piece that might go inside the envelopes, it's bubble wraps, it's it's all sorts of different things. And how do you put the whole thing together to do that? And that's where I started off with, and I worked in the casino business and I worked in the grocery industry doing variable direct mail, getting people to sit there and say, oh, wait a second, why should I open this mail? Because it has my name on it. And because it was variable and the offers that I was offering were something that was designed for you. And I got into branding because if you don't understand your brand, you can't message properly. And if you can't message properly, you can't entice people. So we moved into that. Then we got into trade show development. We got into promotional marketing. We got into social media like everybody else. But brand has always been there in the background. And about 10 years ago, I realized that enormous amount of companies do a great job or at least a reasonable job marketing and branding outside their company, but they do a horrific job doing it inside their company. Their own employees don't understand their mission, vision, and value. They don't understand where they are, where they're going, what the goals are, and what they actually need to do and why they need to do it in order to be able to make things happen. The silos are built up. The mistrust is there, the miscommunication, and that costs the world billions of dollars a year. And so about 10 years ago, I made it my mission to sit there and say, okay, how do we enable companies to communicate more effectively internally, understand the brand, understand the message, understand their customers and what their customers truly need and be able to put everything together. So as the world is changing, as the world is evolving, we're able to be in the right place at the right time to do the right things. I so appreciate that. And what I would really love to know, though, is if there is a company, if there is a business leader out there right now, I want you to listen closely because, Ben, I want you to tell me a little bit about what is that company feeling or how is it acting or what are the customers feeling when they have not focused effective internal marketing and communications? When there's ineffective internal communication, you can feel the disjuncture. You can feel that the fact that customers sit there and say, okay, I talked to this department and I get this information. I talked to this department and I get this information. These people promised me this and these people can't deliver that. You know, I'm told that this is going to be ready on Tuesday here, but it's shipped out on a Thursday. I said that I want the packaging done this way, but when it shows up, it's, it's packaged completely different. I needed a thousand in a box and I got 2,500 in a box. There's a million different things, and all of those things frustrate customers. And a lot of it has to do with the fact that the left hand is not talking to the right hand. The way that customers are brought in, the way that sales passes information off to their inside sales support, who hands it off to operations, who hands it off to production, who hands it off to whoever gets handed off to, invoicing isn't done correctly. So therefore, the invoice gets delayed 90 days. Because the customer sits and goes, well, wait a second here. This is what my purchase order said. This is what your invoice says. We're not paying that. And all of a sudden, a a salesperson has to go in there and clean up a mess 90 days later because there was a miscommunication between the invoicing department because they didn't get the right information from procurement or from purchasing. And therefore, the customer is not paying their bill properly. There's so many different things that lead to client frustration and internal frustration. 
And you need to sit there and say, does the left hand know what the right hand is doing within your company? And what are the things that's causing disconnect? Here's a perfect example. There was a company that had a West Coast operation office and an East Coast operation office with 25, 30,000 square foot warehouses. One were 33 foot ceilings, one were 29 foot ceilings. So they built their racking in such a way that they were able to optimize the racking. So the materials would go from the warehouse at 33 foot ceilings, then the skids would be four high. But the problem is when they showed up at the other warehouse, the rack position would only take a three high position. So those skids had to be broken down, re-skidded, and then, and then be put into position every single time. And nobody thought to sit there and say, you know what? When you're sending us skids, please send them three high because our skid positions are lower than your skid positions. Nobody took the time to think about it. So think of the hundreds of hours that were spent or thousands of hours, the cost of it, the inefficiencies, just because one department didn't talk to the other and say, hey, listen, guys, you keep sending us stuff that's four high. Why are you doing that? There's a million different things that can cause that operation. And some of them are simple and some of them are complex and require five different departments talking to each other, feel face to face and actually having a conversation about why they're frustrated with each other. I want to just do some brainstorming here again. This was not in the script here, but you know, you got me thinking. So, so many companies, as they grow, they say, oh, we need a sales department. We need a marketing department. We need to be hitting the pavement and getting more customers. And what I'm hearing from you is that we need to focus and build an internal marketing and communications organization because as a leading indicator, if your people are well aligned to the mission, vision, and values, they are communicating with each other and they understand what is being cascaded from the top. They engage in communications, even enrich it. What would an optimal organization built from the ground up? Maybe they're a medium-sized business. They have not become a behemoth. They don't even pay for sales and marketing external, but if we built an internal sales or marketing and communications organization, get that running well, your customers are going to feel it and then maybe invest a little bit in external marketing. But what would it look like for a successful leader to start building that internal marketing and communications organization? I think the first thing you need to do, and and there's lots of different things that you need to do, but the first thing you need to do is understand the process. From the second that a customer signs a purchase order, what happens? How does the workflow happen within the company? How is it passed along? Where is the bottlenecks in the situation? How many times is it having to go backwards because people don't understand what you know what is said on the purchase order or on the purchase rec or on the work order? And is the communication effective within that process itself? All the way from the minute the thing gets ordered to the time that it gets shipped, to the time that it gets invoiced, to the time the customer service department knows that it's been out there for 10 days and calls their contact to make sure that everything is okay and that everything is done. And once you can document that process, then you can start about what else is going on. But the thing is, you need to be able to sit there and say, okay, how do we alleviate the bottlenecks and alleviate the miscommunication here? What is not being passed along? What information is being misunderstood? What is being assumed and not passed along that should be passed along? 
And I think when you start with small organizations and build those processes in early, as you grow, it does nothing but help your organization. Because as you grow, those processes are going to become more complex. They're going to become more sophisticated. The systems that you're going to use are more sophisticated. And you're all of a sudden, you're going to go from Charlie talking to Ann talking to Dave to this system talking to this system to this system. And you need to be able to sit there and say, okay, how do we replicate this as we grow and allow the technology to be able to make those proper handshakes? So therefore, nothing gets lost. It's, oh, it was a system. Oh, it was a system. How many organizations where there's somebody out there with two screens and they're manually copying and pasting information from one software system into another software system because they haven't built the Zapier or whatever technology in for the two systems to talk to one another and be able to have a cohesive dashboard where everybody can see where things are happening, why things aren't happening. And that's where you start. And you know, from there, the sky's the limit depending on how big the organization is and you know, what the challenges you're facing are. I think I get it. We have to know what our business is doing and what are there's, as in my world, those service level agreements, those handoffs, such that what a customer orders is what they get and they expect. So we just start out with basic business processes that sound management, but sometimes we invest so much in external dollar sales and marketing and don't really hone in in the beginning. And what I feel the work that you do is that then once you've got solid processes, people trusting each other, proper handoffs, then as things change, the next layer would be then, how do we effectively communicate the changes? We're hiring 100 people. We're opening up another factory. Tell me more about then that next level of change and communication. Let's talk about hiring 100 people or 1,000 people. Because all of a sudden you have a thousand people or a hundred people or whatever that don't know the founder, that don't mm. know the founder story, that don't know why you do what you do and how you do it and what's worked and what hasn't worked until you can get those people up to speed and sit there and say, okay, here's where we came from. Here's where we are. This is where we're going. This is why this is important. These are our top 10 clients and this is why they're important to us. This is our next 20 clients, and this is why they're building up the process. We have offices here, here, and here, and this is how the, the offices interact with each other. That's critical information because you need to build institutional knowledge. You need to have mentorship and storytelling and the ability to onboard these people effectively. So as they come on board, they're not just being thrown in the deep end. They're seeing where you are as a company, where you're going and sit there and go, wait a second here. Okay, I see where you're going and I see the processes here. I just came from IBM. I understand this is working, but this is what we're doing at IBM. Would you be interested in looking at a test to be able to do that? As you get people on board and they understand where you are, all of a sudden they can provide their knowledge and expertise to get to you to where you need to be. So interesting. And, you know, you talk about the tribal knowledge and capturing those elements because five, 10 years down the road, people don't remember the origin story and why are we here? Who do we serve? And all of that. I want to just move in a slightly different direction here. You write about this, and I think it's a fascinating topic is the hiring process. When mm -hmm. somebody is seeking to engage with your company for a potential opportunity, if you don't have those internal processes done well, just the process in effectiveness can leave a bad taste in one's mouth about the brand. 
And then that negative publicity perpetuates. So tell me a little bit more about the importance of the hiring process relative to your brand messaging. I think what you're referencing is is a post that I did and also a response that I did to somebody on LinkedIn a, a week or two ago. And the original comment that this woman had was is that she was a hiring agent and she didn't have the time to respond to everybody. And she says, well, we don't use an ATS system. We don't use technology to do this. It's just me. And I'm going, okay, but if you're getting 100 to 200 applications a day, And you as a person have to go through each and every single one of those things and either bring them forward or not. How efficient is that in your time? And how much time are you getting to actually do what you need to do versus cutting through the the wheat through the chaff to be able to make sure that you can get to what you actually need to do? What my thought process is, is building that communication in there where the technology system that are built up and you have the ability as an HR department to be able to program this yourself, to sit there and say, hey, we actually got your application. We got your resume. Every single person, as it comes in, novel as it may seem, gets an email back right away that says, hey, listen, we got your resume, and this is the process. We're not going to be closing this thing until this date. We're going to be looking at these resumes. We're going to be putting it through. And here's what the system is, and this is what what the process is. As soon as you've been kicked out of the system, you're not qualified, you don't have the references, whatever it is, the system sends you an email say, hey, thank you for applying. We've taken a look at your resume. It's not what we're looking for right now, but we really appreciate it. And the people that actually did get through get another email and say, hey, listen, we've looked through your resume. We're going to have somebody take another look at it. And this is where we're going to go from here. And it goes on and on and on. All of a sudden, you have an engaged workforce. You have people within the hiring process that sit there and say, hey, I'm a human being. They're treating me like a human being. They're communicating with me. They're giving me the information. They're giving me a timeline. I can sit there and say, I need a job tomorrow. I don't have time to wait three months for this. Or, okay, I'm working right now. Yeah, this works for me. Fine. I can continue to play along with this. And If we take this to this logical confusion, when somebody's hired, they get an email package that says, hey, welcome here. We've already put most of this information into the system. We need you to answer this, this, and this question to be able to onboard through the technology because we didn't get it through the the original resume process. We're going to have somebody meet you on this date at this time, and we're going to have somebody mentor you for the first three weeks. Here's where your package comes through. And there could be videos attached to that, whatever. But it's having that ongoing communication, whether it's onboarding, whether it's hiring, whether it's day-to-day life, the more people understand where you are, where you're going, how they belong, and what the next steps are, the more they're going to buy into it and the more they're going to be part of the system and loyal. And that same goes for customers than if they're kept in the dark. And most of us, unfortunately, keep people in the dark. There's so much in there that individuals and companies could learn from you. We need to find ways to have systems by which we can connect with people and treat them with respect at any point in a process, whether it's the hiring process, the handoffs between steps, even getting back to customers. And when people say, I'm swamped, I don't have enough time, then there's something wrong with that internal business process. So this goes back to what you were talking about. Make sure you understand your end-to-end processes and how it impacts internal customers because your external customers are going to feel it. And then optimization, technology, if it can make you better 
at the communication, the handoffs, bringing people on board. Again, it's about how you make people feel. Every moment we have is about marketing the brand. And it's not just about pretty PowerPoints and posters on the wall and slogans. Marketing is about respecting people and communicating with people wherever they're at in the supply chain. Well, it's using technology humanely. So many people just use technology. They say, oh, the system did it. And they raise their hand. It's not my fault. If we can design the technology, if we can utilize the technology in a humane way and realize that the people that are engaging with technology on the other side are human beings with wants, needs, desires, aspirations, and goals and fears, we're far better off. But when we just sit there and say, well, that's the way the technology comes out of the box. That's the way we're going to use it. Guess what? It doesn't always work that way. I could tell stories too about technology-based initiatives that are supposed to make things easier and better for your customer, but because they didn't have the human touch, the human element, the change management within that, the sum of those initiatives went bust. <laughs> Despite the increased efficiencies, we actually lost money in the process until we got back on track. Well, here's a great thing for your listeners. This is from Harvard Business Review, that 70% of change management initiatives fail. And they fail because lack of communication, lack of listening. I so get it. Worth the investment now because people ultimately run the world. They have to push the buttons to get that stuff out of the AI technology. So what can we do to make them successful? I'm interrupting this episode to offer an absolutely free networking and educational opportunity I have created and I want you to be there. If you're a mid-level manager that loves your team and has a desire to accelerate your leadership growth, it is possible for you to become that executive leader in the next 24 months. Regardless of your area of specialty, and I know so many of you are talented, you have what it takes to be on the front line, collaborate with others, and get the job done. However, let me show you how to leverage that specialized knowledge to create solid connections with other leaders while shifting your focus from day-to-day -day leadership skills to long-term CEO strategy. Head over to my website, dropinceo.com, and click on the Drop-In CEO Collective to register for your next meeting. Now, back to the conversation. Now, I want to take this in another direction because you and I have been spitballing around this and trying to help the world be better communicators. And you believe and see a niche for the power of podcasting. And a lot of companies try to do it themselves. I've watched a few of them and with good intentions and they got some good equipment. They're just okay. Tell me more about why you feel this medium can be so valuable if done right. What is the impact? Okay, the first thing we need to realize is that anybody who can step in front of a mic and can open up their mouth is not a podcaster. <laughs> they're, they're just not. Podcasting is about asking the follow-up questions. It's about asking the second, third, and fourth questions. It's about insightful communication. And it's it's about listening. And that's where a lot of people, they sit there and say, my podcast is all about me telling my customers how wonderful I am. Well, guess what? That lasts about 15 minutes. You know, the more you can add value, the more you can vet insights, the more you can provide thought leadership, the more you can help them move their needle and make their lives better, the better your podcast is, whether that's internally or externally. 
We do internal private and secure podcasts for large to enterprise level companies to be able to help them communicate effectively throughout the organization. We also use a mini podcast platform to be able to drive specific initiatives for customers externally to be able to get them to get insights and perspectives from clients and also from uh, prospects. Podcast itself is not as much of a marketing piece as it is an information piece. It enables you not only to tell a story, but also gain insights at the same time. And you need to be able to look at it that way is to sit there and say, it's a two-way communication and it's how do we gain and garner the information that we need to be able to make our lives better while making our customers' lives better and our prospects' lives better and our employees' lives better at the same time. So it is vastly, vastly different than a one-directional webinar that often marketing will work with the senior leaders to script things with good pictures, great marketing materials, and do these wonderful webinars, and the masses sit there and listen, and we have well-constructed Q&A sessions, and then we say, we're done. We have communicated. And what? why does that fail? Why does that fail? The one thing you've said about it, webinars is they're one and done. Most webinars have a shelf life of about 15 minutes, or as long as the webinar is plus 10 or 15 minutes on the backside. Very few people, and I'm guilty of it too. I am absolutely guilty of it as I sign up for these webinars with the greatest of intentions, sit there going, okay, well, if I don't listen to the webinar, if I'm busy and I can't make it, I'll listen to it afterwards. I never do. I absolutely never do. Because the truth of the matter is, it's beyond the point in time. They don't make it easy for you to be able to listen to it while you're moving and while you're doing it. The beautiful thing about podcasts is they're asynchronous and they're conversations and they're idea generators. So they live forever. I have people that listen to my podcasts from five and a half years ago and just sit there and say, I'm just going to grab an episode at random and listen to an old episode. And people don't just listen to the the latest episode. They go back and they sit there and go, okay. If this is what they did, what else have they done? And that becomes a repository of information that can constantly be referenced and utilized both inside or externally by customers and prospects. And because it lives in the World Wide Web domain and because it lives on the Spotify, the iHeart, the iTunes, the world, people go back to them time and time again. And it allows people to have a repository of not only of one set of ideas, but a vast library of ideas that you've come up with. And therefore, they see a far more holistic picture of who you are as a company because they sit there going, it says, I'm not just getting this one concept, which is really a glorified sales technique because most webinars are. Most webinars are, at the end, please buy this for $29.95. But with podcasts, it's more of a subtle thought of, it's an idea generation, it's a trust piece You could listen to it on your schedule, on your time, in your way, and it allows you to come back to the customer when it works for you. I've had people call me and say, hey, listen, I just listened to the podcast that you did eight months ago. I've been listening to a bunch of your podcasts. I really need to talk to you about X. And it's that consistency of the library of information that makes podcasts way better. I'm going to continue to put you on the hot seat. So it all makes sense to you and I. We are both podcasters. We have realized the benefit of the network, the platform, the relationships, and you never know who's listening and says, I want to talk to you. But what's the barrier? 
What is the barrier for entry? Why have not companies embraced this and why they should? So let's start off the fact that 90% of podcasts fail. Pre-COVID, there was under a million podcasts. Today, there's 5 million podcasts. <laughs> there was 54 million podcast episodes in 2019. Today, there's over 80 million. So the vast majority of podcasts that are today last one, two, three, four episodes, yeah. and then they're gone. And the reason is podcasting is tough. Podcasting is a difficult process because it's not just show up once, it's keep showing up. It's consistency. It's building it out in such a way that you have an ongoing idea of who your customer is, what your customers want, and delivering that to them on a weekly basis. We talk about X. We talk about transformational change. We talk about internal communications. We talk about the CEO compass. We talk about whatever we talk about. This is what we talk about. And our customers are coming to us and our listeners are coming to us week in and week out to hear different insights and different points of view related to the same set of topics, whether it's leadership, communications, whatever it is. So that's where it's really tough. The challenge is most people don't A, know how to set up a podcast properly. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to edit a podcast properly. They don't know how to conduct a podcast interview properly. Mm -hmm. And they just sit there, as I started before, just because you have a microphone and you have a good set of earphones, a decent camera, and a voice that works, you're not a podcast host. It comes down to the effectiveness of being able to be a good listener be able to drive a conversation, have an idea of where you're going, but the ability to pivot and listen to what somebody said and say, hey, wait a second there, what did you mean by that? And be able to accept that you may not end up where you started, but the conversation may be better because of it. There's a lot of challenges that come with being a good podcaster. And I suggest if you're starting your own podcast within your company, it's got to be somebody who can consistently, week in and week out, dedicate themselves to the fact that every Wednesday at 10 o'clock or whatever schedule you pick, the next episode is going to be out. And it's going to be somebody that's not going to intimidate other people within their company, i.e., oh my God, it's my boss's boss's boss that's, that's interviewing me. I'm not going to say anything. So you need to be thinking about that. As you're picking your host, and it may be better off for you to have somebody outside the company who's a real professional that understands your company, your brand, your messaging, but is somebody that doesn't have a dog in the fight, can't hire anybody, can't fire anybody, but is the person who's going to get the best story out of them. I am so excited by this. I'm smiling right now because I've had the good fortune, while it may not be a podcast, because of my ability to listen. I have been consistent in my messaging, bringing value to my audience. I was recently asked to be a master mistress of ceremonies for a boot camp for which I have to listen to the entire conference. I have to segue between segments, keep it interesting. I have been invited to do a panel discussion because I have good listening skills. And again, mm -hmm. you and I had a plan here. It went slightly in a different direction, but it was great conversation. I get to understand you a little bit more and my listeners get to understand not only your expertise, your insights, but I want everybody to think out there about your internal messaging and your communications and are there things you could do better for better processes, for better internal communications, capture that knowledge or consider some 
kind of format for which you can regularly have conversations, capture them, engage people in the process. Because if you don't, the culture that you're trying to build is going to break down. Your customers are going to feel it. You know, Ben, I love what you do. I would love more companies, more people out there to think about, is my company worth an investment in internal communications, robust processes, keeping my people engaged, making sure they understand? Because I would hope everybody would say, yes. And then the next question is, do you know how to do it? And is there anybody you can trust to help you through the process? And Ben Baker is one of those people. I appreciate it. I mean, that's what we love doing. We love helping companies you know, on a consulting level. We love helping p- companies build podcasts. We love running podcasts for companies. It's a matter of sitting there going, how do we help you tell your story effectively? How do we get you to understand your story, build your brand, and then figuring out what are the best mediums for you and your teams to be able to disseminate that information? And it may be podcasts, and it may not be. There may be other mediums that work better for your teams. And it's understanding what is the right thing for you, not fitting into a box that I'm creating. I don't believe in boxes. I believe in let's look at companies on their own merits. Where are you today? Where do you want to go? What are your challenges? What are the things that are keeping you up at night? And let's help you get a little bit better sleep. And I have so enjoyed this conversation. We will continue to have these conversations until more people understand the critical need for internal brand marketing, messaging, respecting the people in your organization, because if you don't, your customers are going to feel it. Ben, thank you so much for being an amazing guest on the Drop-In CEO podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. And please, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, the best way to get in touch with me is at yourbrandmarketing.com. My email's there, my phone number's there, book a 30-minute strategy session with me there. Everything's there and it feeds back to my LinkedIn profile and everything. So that's the repository. All right. I wish you continued success and thank you so much again for being a guest on the show. Take care. Thanks, Deb. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I hope you are inspired by our conversation and can apply what you heard to your business or career goals. If you found this episode valuable, please share this show with at least one friend who would find it useful and inspiring. Your support allows me to keep sharing insights and inspiration to leaders who are working their way to the C-suite. To connect with me or learn more about the Drop-In CEO services, go to my website at dropinceo.com. And until we meet, I wish you well and much success.